I think the biggest thing is like, there are millions and gazillions of ways to build wealth. And that is the lens in which I operate daily. I, and there's been so many, and like Marie, you know, this just like being my friends, but like, there are so many times that I have like tried things and failed or like, I have this like great business idea or I'm like, oh my gosh, this looks like a great wealth building opportunity and I'll pursue it or I'll just learn a ton about it and be like, oh no, that's not what I want to do. But everything I do is through the lens of like so many ways to build wealth. Wealth is infinite. Welcome to Make Bank with Marie Wold. I'm Marie and for the last decade, I've been helping women set and hit unrealistic goals while building their definition of a rich life. This podcast is your ultimate destination for unfiltered discussions about personal development, entrepreneurship, wellness, confidence, wealth building, relationships, and so much more. We're creating our dream lives together and I'm so glad you're here. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hello, Chloe. Welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. You guys, Chloe has already been on this podcast one time before, and that episode was amazing. But we have some really exciting topics to cover today. And also, more is better. More Chloe is better. And that was like two years ago. Like I can't wait so to see how much ago. this has evolved. I feel like I'm so long a ago. new person. Sure, both of us. Yeah, I exactly. look back. And I'm like, oh, that was cute of us. <laughs> I <know>. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm very pumped to have you. And for anyone who is not either aware of you, which they're lost, but also who missed part one, can you just give us a recap of how basically you went from like a broke college girl to now a money expert who is like personally wealthy AF and also helping other millennials win with money. Like how, what was that trajectory? Because that was quite like a glow up. For sure. Yeah. And, and not a glow up that I really ever expected and not a glow up that was in my original trajectory is how (laughs) I like to describe it. Like I was kind of, if I would have not changed things in my life, I would have for sure been you know, still like, I mean, I would have always had like a good life probably because of like the privilege that I had and like the trajectory I was already set on just from like being born. But I mean, I would have like had a corporate job, probably still felt broke no matter how much money I made, be struggling with money, like just, and then kept doing that. Always had debt, always had that. Um, I, you know, I I was taught some things about money, but not really. The the number one thing I was taught about money, well, the two things I was taught about money growing up was one, you don't talk about money. So Mm -hmm. I never asked about money. I tried to ignore it. I tried, I knew it was like stressful. The second thing that I learned is that you have to work really, really hard. So, you know, I, I come from Iowa. So I had this like Midwestern work ethic and, I don't know, just like this deep work ethic. I had my first job at 14 and I had jobs from there. I worked full-time the summers when I was in high school. And then I had the same work ethic in college, but like no matter how much money I made, even though I was making really good money for a high schooler, I had nothing to show for it. I was always, I literally always, my bank account was zero or I didn't even have a bank account. So like I would have zero cash or something. And, um, then I went to college, same story. And then I, I just kind of had meltdown after meltdown until I got to the point where I was like, I cannot do this anymore. I have to change. I was going through a breakup and I was, you know, you go through a breakup and you're like, I want to change everything. I want to chop my hair off. I want to do all these things. (laughs) And for me, money was weirdly the thing that I latched onto where I was like, I'm so, I want to feel freedom. I want to do all these things, but I can't because of money. Yeah. So I went on this journey, this mission, um, to really change my finances. And so from there I started learning, I started reading books. I started listening to podcasts. I started, um, I, I, I went online I started searching, like, how do I get ahead with money? And one of the things that, one of the first things I found was this course, it was actually how to become, uh, I think it was how to become a money coach or how to become a money mentor or something. And I paid for this program because I was like, I don't want to teach people, but I want to know myself. And there weren't like money programs. And so I went through it on like how to teach people about money. The only person at that time I wanted to teach was myself. And so anyway, I I ended up uh, 
be, uh, you know, learning and failing and all these things went off and paid uh, $36,000 of debt off in 18 months. And it really changed everything for me. But the biggest thing in that is that while I was doing it, I was trying to follow these other financial gurus mm-hmm. that were extremely based on scarcity, on discipline, on restriction. And I was miserable. And so yeah. even in the times where I was getting results, following these other financial gurus, I was like, I'm so I'm 21. I'm 22. Why am I saying no to one birthday dinner? Because I'm so terrified and stressed that if I spend $1 over there, then it's not money I can put towards my debt. And therefore I'm, you know, a failure. And yeah, so that was a, that was a big thing for me. And so then really focusing on the other side of it, what I like to call the deeper than money side of like, the, um, you know, what, what, what were my priorities and what did I actually care about? And really developing that side is for me where my like part two of my wealth journey really began. And that's where I've been able to not only, you know, start this company and, and teach people, but also really focus and blossom my personal wealth. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like when you started deeper than money, there wasn't there, there are, of course, a lot of like money experts and like money gurus, but I do feel like there was a huge lack of like addressing the mindset and like taking an approach that wasn't just about like save every penny and like never do anything fun. Like to me, that feels very restrictive. And since my background is like fitness coaching and wellness coaching and like eating psychology and stuff like that. That reminds me a lot of when people go on super restrictive diets and they're just like, they're, they might lose the weight or like fit into the pants that they want to or whatever, but they're miserable the whole time. And then once they hit the goal, they like snap because it's not sustainable and they like, it, it's just not going to be a long-term thing for them. So, I mean, do you see that same parallel? Oh my gosh, absolutely. And I, and I saw it with myself too. I was so miserable and I would go in these cycles and and the cycle would be I cannot spend anything. I would do these challenges like no spend weeks and no spend months which are I'm so against now and we can kind of talk more about that. <laughs> but I would do all these things that like these financial gurus were preaching. They're like don't see the inside of a restaurant if you're in debt. Don't do this. So I'd be like, "Okay, okay, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that." And then something would happen where I'd finally just have a meltdown of like, I'm missing out on so much fun. I'm in my Mm twenties. Like I want to go to the restaurant. I want to go visit my friends in Chicago. I want to do these things. So then I'd reach a point where I'd say, screw it. And then I'd spend all of this money. It was so out of alignment. And then I would feel so shameful that I screwed up my plan and I was Mm -hmm. back to square one. And like, why would I spend that money? And why wasn't I just like, uh, you know, more discipline and why couldn't I just like have more willpower? And again, I would be shaming myself back into, I can't spend money. And it was just this (laughs) endless miserable cycle that really, again, I might've been getting some wins on the like logistical side. Like you're talking with the health and fitness of like, she might be losing weight, but I was just so miserable and unhappy on, you know, and from like a mindset and like mental health perspective. Yeah. So once you realized that that was not sustainable and like, yeah, you were making progress, but something had to change. Like, where did you go from there? Like, what was your next resource or like pivot so that you could develop the deeper than money side? For sure. So I think a lot of it was identifying that I, so this is the, this is the spectrum that I teach my clients. And this is one of like the key pillars in understanding like deeper than money finances is that if you think of like a a spectrum, okay, there's like three stages in the spectrum, like three places you can fall. Um, the, the first is idolizing money, right? This would be kind of like the stereotypical, um, you know, like, oh my gosh, like all she cares about is material things and that she's obsessed with money and like, you know, or like the bachelor that's like in every movie that's like career gem and is like, all I care about money. And I'm like, you know, not thinking about everything else and just like idolizing money to the point where like at the end of the movie, they're like an old, rich, lonely person, right? Like that, we don't want to be there, right? We don't want to be there because we know that that's not like true fulfillment. And in our culture, often now that is kind of shamed. Like 
she, you know, you don't want to idolize money. But what isn't talked about enough is on the other side of the spectrum is idolizing frugality. Mm -hmm. This idea that you become so obsessed with, I cannot spend money that at the end of the day, you're obsessed with money. You're obsessed with the lack of spending and the lack of doing this, but you're still obsessed with money. Money is still Mm -hmm. the forefront of your minds, right? So on the, on the obsessive side of idolizing money, it's like, all you're thinking about is like, I need money. And I, I love money and I want to do this with money and I want money and I want money and I want money. On the other side, you're obsessed with like, I can't spend money. I can't do this. I need to check my bank account. Oh my gosh, where's this money going? Can I spend less? Can I cut my expenses? Both of those sides aren't a healthy relationship with money where we want to sit is in the middle with whereas money's neutral, right? Mm -hmm. We know that money is a tool. And so one of the things for me that I teach a lot with my clients is that I want money to matter less to you. And that doesn't mean, oh, you know, I'm not even going to look at my bank account or I'm not going to care about what's in my 401k or whatever. It just means that we know that money is a tool. It's not our end game that Mm -hmm. we know that we're using money to get the result that we want, which is hopefully, you know, happiness or peace or contentment or a richer life, like a more, um, you know, a life filled with more freedom. Like that's the goal. And so that for me was, was the big pivot of, originally I was like obsessed with money and then I kind of like swung the other way and was obsessed with frugality. And so that big piece of kind of like landing in the middle of like, yeah, money's amazing. Um, and it allows me to do so many things, but I'm not obsessed with keeping it and I'm not obsessed with losing it. I'm just right in the middle using it as a tool to, to accomplish the things that I want to. Yeah. Yeah. And I, the other like parallel that I see in this between like money and my background, like health and fitness stuff is that extremes are easy, right? Like being like all in on like saving or all in on like spending, like those are easy because it doesn't require like much intentionality or thought, but living in the middle and like having that balance is, is hard because Mm -hmm. you have to be like self-aware and you have to do the inner work and you have to like know what's going on but it's so much more fulfilling and so much more like peaceful once you actually figure it out right it's like when you when you're scared to check your bank account when you're like scared to see what your credit card bill is like that is terrifying Mm -hmm. so you have to live in the middle but like it it takes like overcoming that like hump of living on the extremes first. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's also so much, again, I hate to say like deeper than money, blah, blah, blah. No, you know, like, (laughs) but it really is because a lot of times you're like, Oh, okay, well, I just want to stop doing that. But if you grew up seeing your parents live in the extremes and that's Mm -hmm. all you know about money and that's all you know of how to act around money and how to show up with money and how to feel about money, it, it's more it, it takes so much more work, like you were saying, of just being like, oh, okay, I'm just gonna like chill in the middle. It's like, but your body's been in fight or flight mode mm-hmm. around money your mm-hmm. whole entire life. So we have to go to those, um, you know, deep rooted beliefs and understand the psychology behind money and understand what we believe to be true about money so we can support that side of us to get to that place of neutrality. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if you could like wave a magic wand and just like delete like a belief, like a limiting belief or like a piece of misinformation about money and just like remove it from the planet, what would you remove or delete? Okay. Um, so two, two different ones come to mind. I, it's, it would be so hard to rank these. Actually, I'm thinking of like 10, but I'll, I'll (laughs) just start with two. So the first one, which I already mentioned a little bit is that you should always spend less. Like the Mm -hmm. goal is always to spend less. I see this all the time, um, where it's like, how can you cut expenses? How can you, um, you know, have a no spend day? How can you decrease your expenses? And a lot of times what we're teaching people is just spend less, right? Just, just, just spend less. We're not teaching them how to be intuitive with their bodies and intuitive with what, what is in alignment with them. And a lot of times what this leads to is this distrust in ourselves to Mm. know what's in alignment. Because if I go to target and I'm buying a water bottle and I'm looking at two and I'm so taught, just spend less, just spend less. So I buy the the maybe cheaper water bottle that I come home and I don't really like. 
it's not that cute. Maybe it was on sale because it has a dent in it and it sits in the back of my cabinet and I never use it. And I'm, I don't drink as much water because that's why I bought it, but I don't even really like it. And then it ends up being clutter in my apartment and just hold space that that's not serving me. That's not serving me at all. Even though I spent less, why is that the goal? If instead I see the, the other water bottle, it was a little bit more, but I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. And I'm so excited about this. And it's like, this is such an alignment with me and I bring it home and I'm so excited. And I am like, I bring to work with me every day and I'm drinking more water. And I'm just like, Oh, like, this is so great. Like, how is that not what we should be celebrating? Right? Like, how is that not what we should be celebrating? It's that. um, And also, again, not only does it teach us that the price tag is what tells us if we should buy it or not instead of ourselves, but it's also just teaching this idea of like spending less is better instead of focusing on like the, the quality of the item or the quality of the service or what it's doing in your life. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, making that really like mind, it's almost like mind body connection. You know what I mean? It's like mind wallet connection, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like being one. So that's the first one is that you should always spend less. That's not the goal. The goal is that you should spend in alignment. And then the second one, which just is really in alignment with the first one, which is why I'm saying too, is I would delete the belief that the goal is to stick to a budget. Like the ultimate Mm. goal is like stick to your budget. Again, this is like such a prevalent thing of like, you have to stick to a budget and like, you know, do, do, do. And it's like, no, no, no. First of all, I don't really use budgets. I don't like the term budget to me just sounds like I'm a kid at the grocery store being like, mom, (laughs) can I have this sucker? And her being like, no. It's like, I just like a budget is like telling me what I can't do. And I'm like, no, I could never. Enneagram seven could never. Do not tell me what to do. do (laughs) Um, Even me, like as a three, I like see a bud or like Andrew like loves a budget, my fiance. And, Mm -hmm. and he's like, you should really like keep more of a budget. And like, literally the option like if you if the option is between me keeping a budget and me like yoloing i'm gonna yolo exactly. so like there needs to be a happy medium exactly so i'm like i'm i don't want to say anti-budgets because for some people if that works awesome um especially if you're very like uh you know like logistical and like a perfectionist and you want to like create an exact plan and follow that and that feels good to you all the more power to you i'm not like that whatsoever right. so yeah. i create what i call a spend plan which is basically at the beginning of the month i sit down and i'm like here's where here's my idea of how i want my money to flow these are the goals i want to hit bada bing bada boom but what i teach and what this is so important is that like i am an adult i am an empowered badass woman And if on the 15th of the month, my priorities shift of what I want to spend, I am allowed to change it, right? Like this, this idea that like, I shot this budget and so I can't spend it. It's like, I was (laughs) the one who said it. I was the one who said it so I can change it. And again, it's just like, it's this idea that like, we're not in control. It's like, well, I'm bad with money. So I have to follow a budget. It's like, no, 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 no. First of all, let's talk about this belief about you're bad with money. Like, no, you, you know, like how can you become great with money? But also that we get to have the power. We yeah. get, money gets to be an empowering thing that supports our priorities. And so, um, again, by when I tell my clients this of like, oh, well, you know, they'll be like, oh, I'm over budget. You know, I'm over my spend plan. I'll be like, what's, what's wrong with that? And they'll be like, well, but, but I didn't follow it. I'm like, okay, what's wrong with that? They're like, but you're, you're supposed to stick to the budget. And it's like, says who, right? Like who, why, why are we so concerned with like hitting this thing? Like we set for ourselves, like it can change and it can flow with us and that's okay. But at the end of the day, it has to flow with us based Mm -hmm. on our priorities. That's the biggest key because what some people will do is they'll reach a point in the month where they will say, screw it. I'm done being intentional. I'm done. I just want to like go and impulse spend and like buy this because I want it. That's not your spend plan flowing with you. That is you going out of alignment. That's like the saying of like, if it won't bend, it breaks, right? Like there's no flexibility, like you're just doomed. Exactly. And so halfway through the month, if, if you're like, you know what? I didn't originally plan that I was going to um, allocate money for this, but my friends want to take a uh, girls weekend. And that memory to me is so important. And I want to, um, like, I want to have that. Absolutely. I'm going to shift my priorities around to make that happen. And mm-hmm. that's okay. Like 
one of the big things in my program is we are in, in my coaching or whatever is we celebrate when those changes happen because we're celebrating the fact that our money is flowing with us and supporting our priorities instead of celebrating like, congrats, you created a spreadsheet and you did it. Like, it's like that to yeah. me just sounds like so silly. Like, why is that the ultimate goal? So I would delete yes. that from every human being's mind. <laughs> okay. I'm, I love all of that. Um, I think I, I want to talk about the fact that every time I open like my news app or like am at my parents' house and they have the news on or something like all the time I see in the news that millennials are screwed with money. Like millennials are just fucked. There's no we're past the point of no return because of student debt and like housing costs and inflation and blah, blah, blah. But I also see like my entrepreneur friends are doing really well, but also like your, your students and your clients and the people in deeper and money, deeper than money are like also in corporate jobs and like have quote unquote, like normal lives and they're winning with money too. So obviously that's not, objectively true that like millennials are screwed so what are your thoughts on like that narrative and why why is or is it not accurate for sure so are there definitely factors at play that like millennials or gen z have to deal with now that other generations didn't have to for sure and i think that's why it's like in the headlines of like um, you know, like there was just, uh, I was just reading a statistic this morning that was like 91% of uh, student loan or federal student loan holders are not prepared for when federal student loans drop right now. It's, um, you know, as of the date of this recording, it's February 1st is when federal mm-hmm. student loan payments are due again. And the statistic was that 91% of people who participated in this study said they were not prepared for that. Yeah. And, you know, so it's like those things where you're like, oh, we're screwed. We're a generation that's <laughs> so screwed. And it's like, think about it, right? Like we, um, you know, we have this, you know, this student loan debt, um, the, you know, house prices are super high right now. Car prices are super high. Um, the job market is just wonky and like all these different things. But at the end of the day, at a micro level, I truly believe there's never been a better time for millennials, Gen Z, like this 20, 30 year old age Mm -hmm. range to win with money. Mm -hmm. I genuinely believe that, Mm -hmm. um, for a couple of reasons. One, there has never been more flexibility and, and freedom and, infinite ways to make money as there yeah. is right now. Yeah. Um, even, e- even like, you know, the job market is wonky right now. Um, and at first it was like, Oh, people are like, Oh my gosh, there's no jobs. And then it was like, Oh my gosh, there's like too many jobs. And like, yeah. all these, you know, and there's like all these, they were, it's like restaurants are closing early because they can't get staffed. But then it's like, but I can't, you know? The, and so it's like, yes, things are a little crazy, but, but if at a, again, at a micro level, if you take the time to say, okay, what are my priorities and how can I use what's going, what's going on in our world and, and kind of play off of these factors in order to create the life I want. Um, so like I had clients who, uh, you know, who during this time, they're like jobs are, you know, like jobs are kind of like so flexible. There's so many work from home options. I've Mm -hmm. had clients who are like, my dream has always been to go and move to Hawaii. So in when we're talking, we're like, well, what's stopping you? Like, why, why can't you do that? And she's like, well, I just, you know, it's always been crazy. And like, I, this, and my, I, my job, I do in person, but there's so many now, you know, jobs that you can do virtually. And so she went and did that. And it's like, so exciting. She went and moved. And, um, and so, you know, at the end of the day, yes, I will abs, I will never be like, no, we're fine. Like everything's fine. (laughs) There are for sure factors at play. Um, in, in for our generation and, and even like if you look at the pandemic this i would say more like is on like the gen z line but like they literally graduated college during a pandemic um yeah, yeah. when everything was shut down when they couldn't even leave their house they couldn't attend graduation like that is a a, a hurdle right for especially sure. like deciding what you're gonna do but at the same time the, the pandemic opened so many windows to flexibility with work, mm-hmm. um, just making money on your time and in your schedule, and especially like using online resources and connecting with people online um, that, that I, I have seen so many of my clients wildly benefit from that I have mm-hmm. 
I, I do not see those headlines and think we're doomed. I see those headlines and say, man, we are going to be an extremely resilient generation. <laughs> Hell yeah. If we if we weren't already, but I I so agree that like now there has never been a more like opportunistic. Mm-hmm. Is that the word I'm looking for? There's never been a more like opportunity filled time for like side hustles or like, like getting a raise or things like that. For example, I have a client who's a career coach and she's getting people like 40, 50, 60 plus thousand dollar raises right now because like the job market is so, like you said, it's like kind of imbalanced, but it's in the favor of the employees yeah. in, in the, in the market right now. So I saw this um, thing that was like millennials had got so much heat for like, millennials will get a new job every year. And it's like, Gen Z will quit on the spot. They will yeah. quit on the spot. Yeah. It's it's such an interesting time for um, corporate workers, right? Because it's like, they're, it's almost like corporate workers are like fighting back against- They're like, like taking the boomer, their power back, yeah. You know, the boomer culture of like, no, if you, I'm not gonna stay in a job for 60 years with a horrible boss. Like I'm actually going to quit today. I'm gonna quit in two weeks. Like- if you do not the, give us the flexibility or the freedom or the respect that mm. I'm needing to do my job, I will not stay here. And and I think millennials, again, have always gotten this like bad rep for doing that. But it's like, no, 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 no. Like that's, that's an empowering thing. And also, oh, yeah. you know, speaking of careers, it's like, um, oh, I wish I had this. I, you know, can you, Marie, would you mind like hiring a fact checker where I can throw out statistics that I think are right? And then somebody can come <laughs> in and be like, actually, this is what it is. But I don't know the exact statistic. I wish I did. But it's something about like, w- by changing your job every one to three years, it increases the trajectory, the proposed trajectory of your career income by like tens of thousands. Yeah. of dollars. It's insane. And so yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Why, I would saw you, that why would you not? right? Like take, take the opportunity and, and, um, and move around. Yeah. I saw my career coach client. I'll just talk about her again. (laughs) She posted something about how, if you're not like moving to a new role every like minimum two to three years, you are like giving up so much potential income. And of course that like stacks on top of each other throughout the course of your life. And so the way that we look at like jobs and upward mobility and like opportunities to make money now is so different than it used to be. So I had that like kind of intuitive perspective on the situation, but you're obviously a lot more informed on it. So it's cool to hear that like you still see so much potential and like so much promise. It's just about being empowered with the right knowledge Mm -hmm. and like knowing how to navigate the like new rules of like money and success. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's like talk more big picture and planning for the future. Cause that's honestly the part that like other than budgeting in the past future planning and like getting ready for like retirement and like blah, blah, blah was always the thing that overwhelmed me the most in the past. So what do you think we can do in like our 20s and 30s to set us up for like long term, the wealth, the retirement, all that good stuff? I saw you did a post yesterday about like locking in your millionaire status. So like, what does that look like now? Because I'm sure that's super different too. For sure. Um, So I think the biggest thing is really understanding what your goals are. It can feel so looming when, you know, all the clients are like, I'm just like so scared about retirement. I'm like, okay, why, why are you scared? They're like, I just feel like I'm behind. I'm, start, I'm like, okay, what are you behind? Like, what's the goal? And they're like, well, I don't, I don't have one. I just feel like I'm behind. So I'm like, well, how yeah. you be behind? <laughs> like, you know, like oftentimes it's like you're behind someone else's goal for themselves or someone else's expectations for you. You're not necessarily yeah. behind any goal because you haven't set one. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so that's, the, that's the first thing is, um, I, 99.9% of the time when I have a client who is super stressed about, um, you know, that future planning or whatever, when we actually sit down and look at the goal, they're like, Oh, mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, okay. That makes sense. Right. Because it's like, once you break down the financial literacy piece, 
you have to first believe, right, that it's possible for you. Mm -hmm. Then add the financial literacy piece on top of it, and then create a sustainable plan to do it. That's like the you know the steps in in going there. And so when it comes to long term wealth building, right, I'll have clients who, and also let me just pause and cite this. There's so much just misleading hype around wealth building to where it adds a other like huge layer of stress. So like, for mm-hmm. example, like cryptocurrency, I, I like cryptocurrency. Um, I, you know, dabble around in cryptocurrency. It's really cool. Um, I think it will stay around. I think it'll be around. Do you need to be investing in the, you know, altcoins that are popping up every single day to become a millionaire? Absolutely no. not. Yeah. <laughs> no. Should that even be your top priority right now? Probably not. Depending on what your goals are, likely it's not. Um, so you're saying I don't need to get NFTs right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Is it a fun thing to pop around in? Are there people who get wildly like rich overnight? Sure. Yeah. But it's like also at the same time, there's so much volatility in the market that it is not the like surefire way to build sustainable wealth over the next 60 years. Mm-hmm. And also, um, it's it might not be your top priority. And 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 very transparently even investing in general might not be your top priority. If you have credit card debt, that's at 28% interest that is accruing so quickly, you are losing money at such a high rate. I would way rather you work to pay that down and implement you know, the right wealth building strategies to pay that down and yeah. then start investing to where you're not losing all this money now to start investing. Um, mm-hmm. Same thing when it comes to like building an emergency fund. It, it, like It's not sexy, but I like to break it down. You, there's wealth building money and then there's wealth protecting money. Your mm-hmm. emergency fund is wealth protecting money. That money yeah. that's like sitting there in a high yield savings account, not your normal bank, pro tip. Um, <laughs> but your money that's sitting there, that is not money. That's not wealth building money. You're not going to become a millionaire from the, the, you know, the money that's sitting in your high yield savings account, mm-hmm. but it protects you from having to dip into your wealth building money and your wealth yeah. building um, you know, money that's making money, that's making money, that's making money, that's making money. And so there, there might be other steps that you have to do in order to get to the point where you're investing, but that will come so much sooner than you think. And so that's the the absolute biggest thing. If you are stressed about money right now, um, I like to work backwards so you can go and figure out what do I need at retirement and how much do I need to be putting in per month in order to get there? If you're like, mm-hmm. how the heck do I figure this out? There's so many online calculators. I like NerdWallet. It's free. Just type in NerdWallet investing calculator on Google. Um, fill out your age. Fill out how much you currently have in your um, retirement accounts or in any investing accounts. And it's fine if it's zero. Put um, what your salary is. And then it will just give you a super simple... Now, understand it's like a blanket. You know, yeah, yeah. It's very broad. But still, to give you an idea of like, this is how much I should be saving... And here's how much I need to save per month. And then from there, you can say, okay, I need to be saving $300 a month if I want to hit my goal of having, I don't know, 5 million at retirement. Um, so I need to have $300 a month. But then you're like, but how am I supposed to have $300 a month when I have all this credit card debt and uh, you know, this, this, and this? So then it becomes, okay, cool. I My goal is to tackle this credit card debt so I have the $300 to put there. So it's like, mm-hmm. you can work backwards on those long-term goals Mm -hmm. and then work up to today. Um, And another thing is, if you get to the point where you're like, oh my gosh, I don't don't have that. Like, I don't have that money to put towards it. I'm going to have to like cut out my gym membership or cut out things I care about. No, flip the script and say, how can I make that money? Um, Even if it's like Facebook Marketplace, I just did this huge purge of things in my apartment. And I, I, if you would have asked me like, how much stuff could you sell or get rid of? I'd be like, I don't know, maybe a couple things. No. I sold like six carfuls of things. Um, like I am, I am like, oh my gosh, I made, I made a ton of money on Facebook Marketplace. Um, I, I literally like, I made so much money. I'm like, had to, I literally created a separate account to put like money aside for taxes for oh them my God. Facebook Marketplace. It's crazy. Oh my God. <laughs> um, but I have clients who literally go to the Facebook Marketplace uh, free section where there's like mm. all the free stuff you can just pick up. They pick it up, they take nicer pictures of it, clean it, and then sell it. And like they make I've, it. I somehow ended up on like couch flipping TikTok recently. Same. That girl who she's like, yeah. it's a great day to be a couch flipper. 
Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. No, there are like, like we said before, there are so many opportunities to make money nowadays. And it doesn't have to be like, start your own business and like become like the CEO of your company. Like, obviously that's something I talk about a lot because that's what I do in like my industry. But there are so many ways, even like picking up like virtual assistant work for like a couple hours a day where you're like entering data while you watch Netflix or like anything. I even, I heard on a business podcast I listened to, not that I'm recommending this, so this is so savage that because people are working from home now, there are people who have multiple full-time remote jobs. Like they will have two jobs at the same time. That's insane. Yes. And then they just do like both in their work week. Yes. That is wild. Isn't that crazy? And like, if they just have like overlapping meetings or something, they'll just like lie, which is crazy. But <laughs> I was mind that's, blown by that. That's like, wild. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. You'll just have two. You'll be an employee of two companies at the same time, which I, I mean, a lot of my friends that work like corporate jobs say they only actually work like three or four hours a day and then just like stick around for the rest of the day so I mean I guess the math checks out that's crazy I mean I totally get it like I even like I think about like my schedule there are days where like yesterday was the day where I was like I just worked like 13 hours and I probably did maybe like five hours of like action like (laughs) I I was so wildly unproductive yesterday it just took me so long to do everything and then I'll have days where I'm like in three hours, I did like a 19 hour day because I was I so productive, you know? So it's like, th- think about all the ways that you can make money and, and then like allocate it to that future wealth building because it's like, mm-hmm. you, and again, like you mentioned earlier, like I'm very big on like locking in your millionaire status in your twenties and thirties of saying like, if I can save X amount before I'm 30 in this example, before I'm 30, if I can save X amount, I know that if I never put another dime, I can be a millionaire, um, by, you know, in my, in my sixties or whatever Mm -hmm. else. And so it's like, that is so comforting and so exciting and just gives you so much more freedom. Um, but also at the same time, what I will say is I never want you to prioritize. And this is like a hot take. Like many people will disagree with me on this. This is a hot take. I never want you to prioritize your wealth and your life at 65 over your life today. Mm, fucking preach. Like I, 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 I am think, such I a believer in that. Yeah. Why? Why? Like, yes. Do I want to be 65 and like wealthy? Absolutely. But when I'm 65 or 75 or 85, I do not want to look back at 26 and be like, why would I miss out on all that stuff when I was like, just this like young, spry, able-bodied <laughs> like woman who had all these friends and like and I like I I'll get sentimental because I think like wow I live in this amazing city with so many of my best friends. Why would I ever sacrifice this time in my life yeah. when I have the least amount of responsibility? When I have the most energy? When I have all this time? When I have all this room? Why would I sacrifice this so mm-hmm. I can have? just more money at 65. Do I think it's important to think about your 65 year old self? Sure. Absolutely. But you don't have to, there's all this stuff like sacrifice now. So you can be rich at 70. It's like, yeah, I don't want to yeah. just be rich at 70. I want to have freedom today and that's okay. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with saying I'm okay with having less money when I'm 70. So I can truly live at 26. Also like to, literally tomorrow isn't even guaranteed exactly. so like to be miserable for decades of your life so that you can finally enjoy it when you're 65 70 whatever like it's crazy you might you could not even make it that far and then you've just had a miserable no. life wait this like, is I, I saw this tiktok and it just wrecked me and I was like, this is so cool. But it was like, if I gave you um, $10 million, right? And it was just like, hey, you know, here's $10 million. Like, do you want this? You'd be like, absolutely. Like, give me the money, right? So I give you the money. And then I say, oh, there is one catch. If you take that money, you won't wake up tomorrow. You give it back, mm-hmm. right? You don't want that. But yeah. it's like, you're saying that waking up tomorrow is worth $10 million to you. By saying, oh I God, will give yeah. that $10 million back, you are saying that is worth $10 million to you, right? Like if you said, Hey, um, give, I'll give you $10 million, but you have to give me like your favorite shirt. I'd be like, screw it. You can keep it. Like, (laughs) Oh, I don't need that. I'll never wear a t-shirt again. Like you can keep it for 10 million. 
because that t-shirt is not worth 10 million to me. If you said 10 million for my dogs, I'd be like, no, buzz off. <laughs> they're like, <laughs> they're like my whole entire life. You cannot have them. But weight gain tomorrow is worth 10 million. So it's like, so often we forget about the value in our life today and the mm-hmm. value in our life this week and the value of our life in this month. And it's like, that is important. But yeah. I, so I never want you to value 65 over today or over this week. But at the same time, I also don't want you to spend this time and spend the hard earned money on stuff that doesn't serve you and isn't yes. supporting yeah. you truly in your life. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's the balance of the two for sure. And like Andrew and I were even talking about this recently because it's, um, spoiler alert, like my goal is to be a professional rich person by 35 wow. where like I don't have to work. Like I could just manage my money and like play with my investments and stuff for the rest of my life. I don't see myself really not working, but like I want to be able to be a professional rich person by 35. So I was telling, (laughs) I was telling Andrew that, and, um, he was like, well, you know, if you just like took a year or two off from horses, um, you'd be like, that's a done deal. And that's because my horse is literally like more, more than what I pay for my mortgage. And, and I was like, how dare you even (laughs) suggest I take a minute away from being a horse girl? How how dare you? And it's so true, right? It's so true. And so many people are, they have that shame though. It's like, they have this piece that's like, well, I should give that up and I should do that. And if I just would have done that, then I, and it's like, hell no, Mm -hmm. hell no. I will not have, like, you should not have, which I know you don't, but like, you should not carry any shame for the fact that like, you will not give that up because that's a priority. That's who you are. That's such a part of your life. That's like, and I even go deeper of like the, these things that I care about of like being, you know, like experiencing this time with my friends, like, and being able to show up and like do all these things. It's like, that's why I'm here, right? Like we're experiencing this life. And why would I give up these experiences that matter so much to me in the pursuit of money? Of course. And not to mention like horses for me is why I even like started my business to begin with. Like that is what motivated me to like make my own money and like become rich is so I could be a horse girl. So if I'm like also doing all this work and like building my business and then like not even getting to enjoy the reason behind it, like I would start to resent my business and like resent everything involved with like me making money anyway. So exactly. Yeah pro enjoying your life now and also pro spending in alignment and like being mindful of where your money is going because we all know that just like splurging on random shit that just like clutters up your house or like a shirt you'll wear once doesn't feel good either yeah yeah okay so it doesn't need to be that complicated but I know that people also once they go to NerdWallet, they calculate their like what they need to mm-hmm. save and stuff. Do you have any specific platforms or like where they should go next to actually put that money and like manage it in a simple way? For sure. So, um, you know, the biggest thing is understanding what are your options. So when it comes to investing, for example, right? Like um, one of the biggest things that I think there's confusion around is like saving versus investing. People will say, I'm mm. saving for retirement you're not saving for retirement or you shouldn't be right. Saving is like, I'm taking my money. I'm putting it for a specific thing. I'm buying that thing. Um, if I was saving for retirement, I would be basically putting cash under my bed and taking out 65. We don't want that because if I put $10 now, it'll be $10 later. And not only that, but $10 when I'm 85 or 65 or whatever will not be actually worth. Yeah. It'll be worth like very little. And because of inflation, And so I want to invest that money. And so when I'm investing that money, the idea behind the investing is that I'm putting money into something. It is, has compound interest. So it is growing. And then that money that grew also makes money and it's, you know, compounding. Um, However, when it comes to investing, I want to break investing down into two different types because there's so much confusion around this. Mm -hmm. You can invest, well, there's different types of investing, but I'm talking specifically And like the investing that people think of, of like, I need to put money in my retirement account. You can invest inside of your retirement accounts. You can invest outside of your retirement account. So a lot of times a common like misconception, someone will DM me or something and say, 
hey, so should I download uh, Robinhood and, you know, buy Tesla stock? And, you know, they'll ask me that. And I'll say, yeah. cool. um, so when you're doing that, you're investing outside of your retirement account. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, when you're putting money in your retirement account, that's money that is being invested. The only mm-hmm. difference, well, there's a couple differences, but like the big difference is that in your retirement accounts, you get a tax break. When you invest outside of your retirement accounts, you don't get a tax break. So if I was going to say, hey, do you want to put your money um, in cup A where it will save you $10 on taxes or cup B where it won't? Like what? Of course you do cup A. But yeah. the, the the thing with retirement accounts is there's limits. So yep. you can only put a certain amount in there. And then once it's maxed out, you've gotten all of your tax breaks possible that's when you want to invest outside of retirement. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of people will say like, do I need to like download Robinhood and start putting all my money? It's like, well, no, right. First we need to make sure we're maxing out retirement accounts because you're still investing, but you're just saving a shit ton of money, um, either right now in taxes or down the road, because there's two different types of, um, tax savings in retirement accounts. Okay. So that's the, that's the place to start. If you're like, what do I do? Do I need to, you know, download an app? The, the most simple way to start, um, if you're in a corporate job, make sure that you're taking advantage of your 401k um, match or any employer match. If your company will say, hey, if you put in a certain amount of your retirement account, we'll match it. It's free. Actually, actually, I just learned you're not supposed to say it's free money because it truly is built into your salary mm. um, compensation. And so if you're not using it, it's not free money. It's like you're missing out on what. Yeah, you're, you're like giving your that up. Yeah. yeah, you're missing out on your compensation. So um, make sure to start there. Um, you can look at other options, um, like a Roth IRA, um, super important starting with retirement, maxing those out. And then you can look at opening what's called a taxable brokerage account, which is basically a retirement account, but not with a tax break, right? It's literally mm-hmm. the same thing as what you're thinking of as like your 401k, right? It's this account that then holds your investments, that's what a taxable brokerage account is, but you just don't have any tax benefits like you do in your right. accounts. So that's where the biggest place to start is start with retirement accounts. If you're like, I don't know, um, you know, where to start. If you have, um, if you are in corporate, start by talking to your HR department. It is not a stupid question to be like, Hey, would you, can I get on a phone call and you can go over what options I have? That's mm-hmm. a great place to start. If you are a business owner, one of the biggest myths is that like, oh, well, I'm a bi- I'm a small business owner. I can't have retirement accounts. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Um, there are a bunch of different ones and it depends on how your business is um, set up. So talk to your accountants, talk to your yeah. accountant. Um, yeah. I think every single small business owner needs an accountant. Um, I think it's like an absolute necessity. Email your accountant and say, hey, I really want to set up uh, you know, a retirement account. Which one would be the best option for me? Um, mm-hmm. because again, it's going to save you money on taxes and you're putting money, um, into your future. So then once you figure out what accounts you can set those up, start pumping money into those. And then once those retirement accounts are fill, filled and maxed out, then you can move on to investing outside of retirement accounts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Love that. I think that probably simplified it for a lot of people, especially thinking about it as like, you have your two cups, like fill up this cup first, and then you start like overflowing into the next one. Um, And also for me, like, when I first got into investing, I was really overwhelmed with like, how do I know which stocks to choose? Like, how could I possibly keep track of all of this? And um, you don't like there. I invest in like index funds mostly. So that's another thing to look into. Like we don't have to go into that on this episode because there's like so much with just investing. Um, But I just think that people overcomplicate it without realizing it because there is so much like chatter about it. And so I'm about to like go against what I just said of simplifying it, but I'm just curious, uh, what do you see as some like niche or like weird or like up and coming little like wealth building opportunities that are emerging that are just maybe interesting? For sure. So, um, something, I mean, gosh, there's like so many, so I, I know we kind of talked about this earlier. I think crypto is so interesting. I, mm. the amount of times I spend just like researching crypto, not in an attempt to like get rich quick because it's so interesting or NFTs or, mm-hmm. um, any of these other, just like 
it, like anything in like the crypto family is so crazy and interesting to me of just like how these like blockchains are set up and, and how everything works. It's, it's wild. Like it, it, yeah. I'm so curious to see what it's going to be like in 50 to a hundred years. Um, or even like, um, you know, these like Bitcoin ATMs are getting set up or like mm-hmm. now on Venmo, you know, there's like a Bitcoin, you can buy Bitcoin and like all these different things. It's super interesting. Um, so I definitely say crypto is one that I'm like, I just think it's it just spend time learning about it. Or like I'll tell clients, like, again, I, when I, when it comes to where should I be putting my money to build wealth for your retirement accounts? But if you're interested in it, think of it like going to the movies, like take a $20, you know, take 20, $30 and get, you know, buy some crypto just to learn, just to see yeah. what is this like, what is going on? And, you know, people will be like, I have no idea what it is. Start watching YouTube videos, start listening to podcasts. Like a lot of crypto is speculation, which is so interesting to me. And so it's, it's not like, oh, just like go listen to one person who knows it all. Everything is speculation about it. Um, so that crypto is definitely an interesting one. Um, when it comes to like other investment opportunities, I, that for me that I'm really interested in, um, a couple of like, um, ones that like I have, I'll give like some sneak peeks of things I have on the horizon, um, is Airbnb arbitrage, which I Mm -hmm. think is just wildly interesting, which, um, is basically doing Airbnb, but you don't own the property. So you find a property that you can rent from and then you Airbnb it out. Of course, you find a property that like, will let you do that, but then you manage it and all of those things. So the risk is really low, which again, that's an example of how we talked about earlier where it's like millennials have all the student loan debt. Like they could never buy a duplex today. It's like, well, they could, but also that's an example of like, okay, cool. There's this way where I don't have to buy a duplex. Yeah. I don't have to yeah. that money. I can just be paying this. There's still risk of course, but, um, or like Turo is something that I'm really interested in, um, lately, which is basically like Airbnb, but for your car, Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can, instead of going to, uh, you know, like Avis car rental, you can instead Airbnb your car out, um, which is a really, um, and it's also, um, I just used it for the first time myself as like, a someone like renting someone else's car and it was so yeah. smooth. It was so, it was such a great process. So I'm looking into that, um, and, and stuff, but I think the biggest thing is like, there are millions and gazillions of ways to build wealth. And that is mm-hmm. the lens in which I operate daily. I, yeah. and there's been so many, and like Marie, you know, this just like being my friends, but like there are so many times that I have like tried things and failed or like I have this like great business idea or I'm like, oh my gosh, this looks like a great wealth building opportunity and I'll pursue it or I'll just learn a ton about it and be like, oh no, that's not what I want to do. But mm-hmm. everything I do is through the lens of like so many ways to build wealth wealth is infinite. What do I, what am I interested in? How do I want to do this? Um, instead of and like, how can I build more streams of revenue and all this stuff versus this mentality of like, Oh my gosh, I'm never going to have enough or, or like, I don't know how to learn. I don't know. I don't know any of this. Like, you know, two years yeah. ago, I had no idea what crypto was. And so, right. um, it, it really just takes being a student of all of these things and, and getting excited about it. I think, um, another thing that's like really fun for me, which again, like you and I know this, but I want to say this on this podcast is like having friends who are also interested in it and like also mm-hmm. talking to stuff about it. Right. Like, um, I'm sure after this conversation, like you and I will be texting tonight about like index funds and, and other stuff, yeah. whatever. It's like, I have to tell you about my friend's NFT race horse. Okay. I, no, I, need, <laughs> I really need to know voice me after this because I, I really need to know all of it, but it's like that stuff where it's like, I'm such an advocate for women, especially talking about money, right? Like talking about stuff to your friends, because it's like these conversations, so many like wealth building up, like Turo, I heard about a couple, like two months ago at a wedding where I was at a table with random people and we're just like, had to be talking and I, you know, talked about money, um, you know, what I do. And then the woman next to me was like, oh my, have you heard of this? Like, I'm interested in it. And we just started talking and it's like, and then I looked into it and it's like, when more mm-hmm. women are like, I talk all the time in conversations with men about money or like, Oh, what do you think about this? And throw ideas around. But oftentimes I don't have as many conversations with women. And so it's like yeah. one of the biggest powerhouses of, um, 
women building wealth is transparency and openness of talking about money in, in like the same setting of like brunch or, um, with your friends or, you know, at the salon or whatever, like that stuff is so important because it breaks down those barriers to entry and makes Mm -hmm. things like, Oh, Marie is doing this. Like, well, I could check that out. Like maybe I can check that out. So like, don't be afraid to have those conversations or even like, let's say you and your best friend have no freaking clue what an NFT is. How can you like next time you're a girl's night be like, Oh my God, let's like figure this out. Or, um, you know, like research this or like, did you read this? Or you should read this podcast episode. Like, like, uh, bounce ideas off of each other to build, use each other to continue to build wealth. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, things are scary when they're unknown. Right. And so you continue like letting things be unknown and just continually telling yourself, like, I can't figure this out. This is too confusing. Like you won't, but if you just get curious about it and see it as like an exciting opportunity for like expansion and even like play and I understand like I want to recognize this is a very privileged view and like there is a point where money is about survival but speaking to people who like aren't like basing their money just off of survival once you hit a certain point where your needs are taken care of money can kind of become like a game and again I understand that's such a privileged take but um, like seeing it as more of like an adventure and like a learning opportunity once that's possible for you, for me has taken a lot of the fear and like, just like intimidation out of it. For sure. And, and exactly what you said, it's like one of the biggest things that I've been, um, oh my gosh, I've been like super, I've been in like my, this is such a like nerdy thing. My latest pastime is like healing. That's like my joke that I have with my mom. Like, <laughs> anytime I'm like by myself, I'm doing all this like deep inner work and journaling and like therapy and like all this fun stuff. And one of the big things that um, I have like really learned in therapy and um, like, you know, rehealing your inner child is like your emotional, you cannot. So like if you're in an argument and you're upset about something and you're just like, oh, I'm so mad in this. And then somebody comes in and is like, oh, we'll just do this. You can't you're still mad. You're like, go yeah. away, right? Because it's like yeah. your emotional needs haven't been met. So mm-hmm. you cannot see logic, right? Your emotional yeah. needs have not been met. Like, you don't, in that moment, you just need like a hug or someone to be like, how are you feeling? Or like, how can I support you? You need that emotional connection. So those needs are met. And then you can work beyond that. It's the same with money. It's like, you cannot, uh, you know, be like, like if somebody's like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know how I'm going to pay rent. And you're like, it's so, like play around with crypto. Like you can make money. They're like, right. It's like their yeah, money, yeah. their, their like basic money needs haven't been met. So exactly what you're saying. It's like, and don't stress about that. If you're someone who's listening to this and you're like, they're doing all this other stuff and I'm so behind. It's like, no, you're not start with where you're at. Start with mm-hmm. where you're at. Um, but also I think it's really important because I, there is this narrative of like, well, it's, you know, it's, it's so privileged of us to talk about money in this capacity. Maybe we shouldn't. I think it's so important because I want someone who's listening to this, who's like, I'm struggling with money to look and be like, I can get to that point. Mm, I will get to that point there. That's what it's like beyond this hump. I acknowledge it. Like, this is what I need to focus on. And I don't have to stress about that. I don't have to worry about that, but there is wealth beyond that moment. And I, mm-hmm. I hope that this episode empowers you and like just feeds so much like love into that space of like, there's no guilt and shame of where you're at right now. But at the same time, be, there's so much hope beyond that to live yeah. with money feeling a different way for you. I think let's end on that because that was like the mic drop moment of the episode. So... <laughs> Chloe, where can people creep on you? Where can they learn more from you? Share all of your things. For sure. So um, I am Deeper the Money on literally any platform. Um, you know, if if you're hanging out on a social media platform, I promise I'm on it with the username Deeper the Money. Um, if, if you're looking for like a place to start where like how, what's my next step, right? Like I took some of these takeaways, but like, where do I start with money? I have a three day free challenge called the thousand dollar challenge of how to save a thousand dollars in three days, um, which is a great starting point that kind of gives you a basis of like, what are the things I need to cover before I move on to the next step? Um, if you're Mm -hmm. feeling like, oh my gosh, there's so much to do when I start. So that's a great takeaway. 
Um, other than that, you know, just come. I love like tagging the episode. Tell me what your favorite pieces were. Um, tell me if you have questions. I love like elaborating on these topics. Amazing. Thank you so much, Chloe Money. When I first met Chloe, I literally called her Chloe Money for like a year. I love so, it. I literally I mean, love it. My favorite. Still, <laughs> still going strong. Very on brand. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. And we will see you again soon. Thank you so much for having me.